0: I wanted to switch courses really quick before I start off because this just came in on the media and it's just, uh, I think it's worth sharing. Uh, This is from Russia, from Vladimir Putin. It says, to all the peoples of Russia, may peace be multiplied to you and to your families, but not only to our people, but may peace be multiplied to the peoples of Ukraine. As of this morning, our Russian forces are pulling back. Our efforts to multiply our territory have been interrupted by the peace and grace that has been multiplied upon me. Late last night, I was encountered with signs and wonders by an almighty God, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom that humbled me to turn from my wicked plans and ways. For too long, I myself in this country have rejected the power of Jesus Christ, but not any longer. For too long, my pride has gotten in the way of building this Russian empire, but now I know what's worth building, and that's the kingdom of God. And so as long as I am leading this great nation, we will strive to mimic the ways of the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Um, This can't be true. Because it's not true. No, You're mad at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. For those of you watching online, please don't share this. Um, but I did this on purpose. <clears throat> Here's the reason why I did this. You're like, what the heck is wrong with him? Okay. <clears throat> the reason why I did that is, one, we're in our series Truth and Dare. And I want to keep you on your toes because you never know what's true. Don't believe everything you hear. Secondly, is I wanted to take you to the emotion. The emotion that you were feeling is the same emotion that was happening in 500 B.C. in Daniel chapter 4. That feeling that you were feeling right now about this, you know, pagan evil empire all of a sudden shifting to the one true God is what we see taking place in chapter 4 with King Nebuchadnezzar. It's unbelievable. It was shocking, people. It was so, like, unbelievably, they couldn't, it's like, how is this true? Let me just give you the first couple verses of of chapter 4. This is literally an autobiography from King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. He says this, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and the wonders that the most high God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. And all the peoples of the M- Babylonian empire at this time are thinking to themselves, you have got to be kidding me. This just can't, it just seems too good to be true. I mean, this idea that this emperor, this dictator of the Babylonian emperor is saying, listen, stop bowing down to me and I want you all to start bowing down to the one true God. I mean, again, it was just a two- good-to-be-true situation. This was a humble admission, if you're taking notes. This was a a humble admission from a king, such a major shift that was taking place as we look at chapter 4. Now, in the same way, how difficult it is for you and I to take ownership when we're wrong, when we've dropped the ball. How hard is it for us to take ownership, right? For us to, in certain situations in our work or with our home or with our friends, where we'll humbly admit that, you know what, my bad. Like maybe for some of you, as you were driving here, you got in a tiff with your spouse or a friend or a sibling, and, and, and right now you're angry, you're frustrated, you're like, how does he know? I don't know. It's just a room this size, it's bound to happen often, okay? Okay. <laughs> But, like, literally, you're stern inside. Your pride is elevated. And, and the thought of you humbling, admitting that you're wrong right now is very, very difficult for you right now. It reminds me of this quote by C.S. Lewis. Check this out. Pride has been the chief cause of misery since the beginning of time. And maybe, just maybe, that's why you feel terrible today. Maybe, just maybe, that is why you feel completely miserable right now, because maybe pride has taken a root in your life that maybe you don't even realize. It's taken a residency, it's moved in, in a sense, in a way that is making you flat out miserable. And so today, here's our goal. Our dare today is to dare to leave this room just a little more humble with our egos, with relationships, with whatever it is, that we would leave this room just a little more humble. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, and I hope you will be a Jesus follower before you leave here today. But even if you're not and you're exploring faith, when we take on a dose of humility, it just makes the situation better all around, every time. It just does. And so we're going to learn from King Nebuchadnezzar of his pride and his humility and how it affected him. And it's the same way how it affects us. But before we do, um, I'm going to pray for us. Let's humble ourselves before the king of the universe. And so, Heavenly Father, you are king. We bow down to no one but you. And, uh, God, I ask that you would help us all to humble ourselves today and maybe ways that we don't even realize. Help us to maybe take a brick down of bitterness or pride that has swollen up inside of us. Um, Father, humble me. Get me out of the way as always. And I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus, and everyone said. Amen. Amen. Okay, so hey, grab a Bible. Uh, grab your journal. <clears throat> We're going to be diving in here. Uh, We've got these journals. If you don't have a journal, you can just write things down on your phone. But we say we want to mark things down because the more that we mark things down, it will mark up, have a longer-lasting impact on, on our lives. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, <clears throat> we'll be diving into, and there's a lot of verses, and we're going to actually go through all of them, so there's a, you know, just most warning you that there's a lot of reading today, uh, but that's good. Uh, before, just as, a, as we jump into the pages of chapter 4, between chapter 3 and chapter 4, scholars estimate that there's about a 20 to 30 year time lapse that has taken place. So the Babylonian Empire is, 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 is magnificent, it's expanding, it's beautiful. King Nebuchadnezzar is enjoying the fruits of his labor. He's kind of chilling out in his retirement, and if you will, just really loving life. And so Daniel chapter 4, I'll be reading from the ESV. I'm actually not going to put the first uh, up to verse 18 on the screens. I'm just going to read it. So just if you don't have something, just listen um, or follow along in your journal, Bible, or phone. Daniel chapter 4. Starting in verse 4, and here Nebuchadnezzar gets this other crazy dream that comes at him. Here's what it says. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace, and I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, and that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream then the magicians and the enchanters and the Chaldeans and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation, which I just paused right there. You'd think King Nebuchadnezzar would have gotten the hint in chapter 2, right? Like if Chapter 2, he had the same dream, called in the wise guys. They couldn't answer it, and then he finally went to Daniel. you think he would have learned, but he didn't. So verse 8, he finally calls on Daniel. It says, at last Daniel came in before me. He who is named Belshazzar, after the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these, and here he explains it, I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and it was, in it was food for all. The beast of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all the flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump, notice that, remember that, but leave the stump, circle that, of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. Amid the tender grass of the field, let him be wet with dew of heaven, let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him at seven years. The sentence is uh, the, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers and the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over at the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. And so here we are. Between chapter 2 and chapter 4, we've got a 45-year gap between the first dream that was interpreted to the second dream. What does this show us? This shows us and reminds us that King Nebuchadnezzar was not humbled yet. He didn't truly grasp it yet. you think he would get a clue of, of the miracle of Daniel interpreting his first dream. And then last week in chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and God rescuing that and showing off his power there. But nothing was lasting Nothing was changing in him. He wasn't truly humbled, which is a great reminder that you can be challenged but not changed. You can be moved but not motivated. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before the fall. And so now we'll pick up in verse 19 and we'll see the interpretation that comes from God to Daniel to give to King Nebuchadnezzar. It says this, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, which we don't know, you know, they say this, uh, this has been said a hundred times, I feel like, I always laugh at that, Uh, was dismayed for a while and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let the dream of the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, my lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that is, Top is reached to heaven and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and abundant with fruit, and all the stuff that it talks about. He basically saying, That tree that was described here, it's you, King Nebuchadnezzar, it's you. It continues. "'O king, you have grown and become strong. "'Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven "'and your dominion to the ends of the earth. "'And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, "'coming down from heaven and saying, "'Chop down the tree and destroy it, "'but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, "'bound with a band of iron and bronze "'in the tender grass of the field, "'and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, "'and let his portion be with the beast of the field.' Till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation. O king, it is a decree of the most high. Which has come upon my lord, the king. That you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. He's literally going to be turned into an ox. Like he's going to go insane. And you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you. Till you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men. And gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that the the heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. The same message is for us. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may be perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. In other words, all of that is saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, repent. King Nebuchadnezzar, repent right here, right now Don't delay. Have mercy on others so that mercy can be poured out upon you. This dream was not good. Daniel knew what it meant. And through the analogy of a tree, God was trying to get King Nebuchadnezzar's attention again. The most powerful man in the world on the planet at this time was about to literally lose his mind. But Daniel doesn't hold back and he tells him the truth. But Daniel noticed. When he went and he told him the truth, he went with a humble confrontation. That's the next one to write down. He had a humble confrontation. It wasn't like, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is coming for you. Here's the revelation. No, no, no. It was, here's the revelation with a loving confrontation. Reminding us the importance to never give people tough revelation with a smile. Judgment upon others should never make any of us happy. But come on, sometimes there's a little sin cop in all of us, isn't there? A little fault finder in all of us, right? You see what you did there? Oh, you didn't? Well, let me show you. Here's what you did there. See that ball that you dropped? See how you didn't handle that? See how you didn't handle this? And we start to elevate with the finger of pointing out instead of, Putting the fingers away and getting on our knees and folding our hands and saying, "God, help them," with a humble confrontation. And we do this all the time with people that we know, and we do this with people that we don't know. I think about, uh, you know, when you think about people that are online, like leaders that are online, and if they fall or they drop the ball, you're like, gotcha! See, look at them. I knew they were frauds. I knew they were phony. I knew they were fake." Did you see them? You see how they screwed up? And then we start to annihilate them, whether we post about it or not. Did you see him at that party? Did you see her wearing that outfit? Or whatever. What if in those moments, we humbly bowed our heads instead of taking up our swords and prayed for those people? What if we prayed for those leaders? And speaking of leaders, um, I think of our president, Joe Biden. Now, Before you get freaked out. I'm not going to get political, but I'm going to get very biblical, okay? If you ever were wondering, uh, I lead my family and I lead this church with very conservative values, and when it comes to voting and stuff of our nation, I don't do it by our pocketbooks. We always put every lens through God's book, and that's really important to do as Jesus followers, to run your filter through God's Word when you're making those decisions. However, I want to remind us as a church family that Jesus reminded us and told us that we are supposed to honor our leaders. No matter what side of the aisle they're on, we are called to honor our leaders. Democrat or Republican or whatever it is in between, we're to honor our leaders. Don't take it from me. Take it from God's word. Here's what it says. Obey the rulers who have authority over you. Only God can give authority to anyone. And he puts these rulers in the places of power. Joe Biden is the president of the United States because God put him there. Donald Trump was our president because God put him there. People who oppose the authorities are opposing what God has done, and they will be punished. And so when I hear the statement, it's not my president, Not my president. I'm sitting in my mind like, wait, what? Seriously? And then oftentimes I hear people tell me, well, the other side did the same thing when Trump was in office. And they'd say it's not my president. And then it makes me think, seriously? Like we've come to this? That just because one side says something foolish, then then we think it's okay to then say something foolish right back at them? Have we forgotten 1 Peter 3, 9, where it says, don't repay evil for evil? Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. We have lost the idea of honoring our leaders, whether we agree with them or not. Now, where's the line? The line is always, if the leadership ever tells you to bow down to them, you don't bow down. You only bow down to King Jesus. But we have to honor leadership even if we don't agree with it. And I know it's difficult, but I know it's not easy. And, and then when I, when I hear people, even now, of all generations, I even had to correct one of my kids a couple weeks ago, hearing a speech of our president slurring his speech. and. ha. <laughs> Oh, or I see people post, oh, look at that video, whatever. And it's like, when we hear our president slurring his speech or there's potential signs of dementia, that's not funny. That's scary. That should make all of us scared for the health of our country. And that should make us scared for the health of Joe Biden, who is a son of the king of the universe. Do you have family members that have dementia? Jen's grandma has dementia. I mean, it is awful. It's painful. This isn't a joke. So here's the thing I want to ask you. When was the last time you prayed for Joe Biden? When was the last time you prayed for Kamala Harris? For Donald Trump or Mike Pence or our governor? I mean, it's so important that we make sure that we instill in the next generation to honor them, not laugh at them or make fun of them, whether you agree with them or not. Not only do we have to be careful when it comes to having humble confrontations with people that we don't know, but it's for the people that we do know. You know, when you think of maybe you're a teenager in the room and if you see one of your siblings mess up or your parents mess up, maybe it's really easy to just be like, aha, got you, mom, got you, dad, got you, sis, got you, bro, and you just want to kind of smear it in their face. Or maybe with your boyfriend or girlfriend or husbands and wives in the room today husbands and wives, come on, we are highly trained professionals in how to dig at our spouse's weaknesses. I mean, we just know how to do it, don't we? I mean, a few weeks ago, Jen and I got in a tiff over taxes. Like if not, if if taxes weren't miserable enough, we took it to a whole other level on taxes, which then just, we started just going at it. And, you know, maybe you're going at it right now with your spouse and you guys have this tension going on. I mean, it happens to all of us, right? And the only remedy to get out of your tiff is humility. And I I know it's not rocket science, but it's the truth. The only remedy is humility. And I want to talk to all the dads in the room. Dads, husbands, you are to lead your family. And you need to lead the charge of being humble. And I know maybe, maybe she was wrong, but you know they're always right. So that's the best advice you always get, right? But, you know, but whether they're right or whether they're wrong, you, we have to lead the charge of humbling ourselves first. If not, you're just going to be miserable. So you just have to humble yourself. I want to remind all the dads in the room, all the husbands in the room, 1 Peter 3:9, two verses prior to that, I didn't put it on the screen. You look it up. It talks about how as men we are to cherish and honor our wives. And then at the very end of the sentence of the verse, it says, and if you're not, your prayers will be hindered. Yeah. So maybe, fellas, if you feel a little disconnected from God. Potentially, one of the reasons is, is because you're not cherishing and honoring your wife the way that you should be. And, and, and here's, the, here's the last part on this. Next one, here. Let's put this next slide up. A prideful person is often a prayerless person. And so, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, if you're in a tiff, get on your knees. Get on your knees humbly bow before an almighty God, allow him to humble you so that you can then humble yourself in that confrontation. I'm telling you, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes discipline, but it works. Humble yourself. A prideful person is often a prayerless person. Let's keep going. Verse 28 says this. So he gets all this interpretation from Daniel And it says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. So, wait a second. This all happens, and then nothing happens for a year. Reminding us of what? God's patience, God's mercy for us. Man, he is such a long suffering, patient God. It's unbelievable. Chance after chance for King Nebuchadnezzar. So, after 12 months, so here we got King Nebuchadnezzar, he's walking on the roof of his royal palace of Babylon and the king answered and says is not this the great babylon which i have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty you got to understand the babylonian empire at this time was the greatest thing on the planet uh, just a couple of fun facts the walls had a 60 mile circumference they were 355 feet tall and check this out 85 feet thick. It's a six-lane highway. They would literally do chariot races on the walls of Babylon. And he's looking, and he's like, look at what I have built, my kingdom. And then the moment that he's saying this, taking a walk on the walls of his empire, check out what happens. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you and you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and give it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against King Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till the hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. Literally goes insane. And this is what this reminds me of, this whole section. Next one, humble confession. He was so stubborn. He was so prideful that... He kept bowing down to his ego and to the world's ways instead of bowing down to God. And here's what what caught me. Seven years. Seven years God made him be insane, allowed him to be insane, to become like an ox. And it got me thinking. What is it gonna take for God to get your attention? Like me, I don't know. Like maybe you're apathetic towards God, or you're angry at God, or you're frustrated with God, or I don't know what it is with you and God, but what's it gonna take for God to get your attention? Listen, sometimes people will think of what God did to King Nebuchadnezzar as mean. Well, okay, maybe it was mean, but it was out of love. And God knew that that's what it was going to take to humble King Nebuchadnezzar. And God loves King Nebuchadnezzar so much that he would do anything to get his attention, even making him go insane like an ox. And I got news for you. God loves you in the same way, just as much as King Nebuchadnezzar. And he will relentlessly chase you and go after you and mess with you until he can get your attention. What's it gonna take for you? I mean, until you die or until Jesus comes back, he will chase you relentlessly because he loves you. What's it gonna to take to wake you up? What's it gonna take? And so seven years goes on and here's what happens after seven years. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. So now he's not insane anymore. He's no longer thinking he's an ox. Now he's back to being a man. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation." All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. And it says, my counselors and my Lord sought me when I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, King Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. you guys remember who's talking? This guy, this king, just came out of seven years of insanity. And what does he say? All of his works are right and his ways are just. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. But remember, God will not be mocked. He is a God of mercy, but he is also a God of justice. He can't deny who he is. He is the faithful, almighty God. But then he says this, And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. From King Nebuchadnezzar, signing off. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Basically, he's trying to get our attention and get your attention. He's saying, if God can humble me, then he can humble you. Just like Stephanie Mardica said in her baptism story, if God can get a hold of me and humble me, then God can get a hold of you and humble reminding us of another great truth of the importance of us having humble intercession towards others, to never give up, to never give up on the people that we think could never be humbled. This is a great reminder that God can light up anything. God can humble anything. God can break anything he wants to, when he wants to how he wants to he can get a hold of anyone he can change anyone has he gotten a hold of you what about you has God gotten a hold of you are you still bowing down to King whatever your name is all of us want to be Jesus deep down. We all want to be God. That's in the root of all of our nature. We have to get to the point to realize, all right, I'm not God. And you know what? The world, that's not worth bowing down to either. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and bow down to the creator of all things. I'm going to bow down to Jesus Christ. And before you get to that point in your life, you will be miserable. You will. And that feeling of lostness or loneliness or wondering what your purpose or identity is in, if you haven't bowed down to King Jesus yet, that is why you feel that way. But when you bow down to King Jesus, it changes everything. When you finally get to the point to humble yourself to believe who he is and what he does for you, Changes everything. If you didn't know this, this is all you need to know. God loves you so much that He will constantly chase you, and He loved you so much that He died for you. And He died for you for a purpose to pay for your sin problem that you have, and I have, and all of us have, and none of us can erase on our own. And that's why He died on a cross to pay for our sin penalty. And not only did He pay for it by dying then he proved that he was God and conquered it by rising from the dead. And he made it very clear that all who call upon his name, the name of Jesus, will be saved from the penalty of their sin and will be restored back in right relationship with God. But it takes you first, humbling yourself, admitting I'm a sinner, admitting and confessing that he is God and you are not. And if you've never done that, What are you waiting for? I got to imagine you're exhausted from trying to fix it on your own. God has fixed it for you. Today's the day to humble yourself, like King Nebuchadnezzar. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you. The wall of pride is starting to go down. And if that's you, the scriptures say, that all who call upon the name of Jesus in faith will be saved. And so I want to lead you through a real conversation between you and God, and you can make these words your own. Just say, in the quietness of this moment, just say, Father, I am done running from you. I'm done bowing down to me. I'm done bowing down to the ways of the world. In this moment, I don't understand it all, but in this moment, I bow down to you, King Jesus. Just say that I bow down to you. And then just say, forgive me. I confess my sins to you. Forgive me. Then just say, thank you. Thank you for dying for me with gratitude. Thank you for rising again for me. Just thank him. And then I want to encourage you to say this. Just say, right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. I humbly receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, my friend, if you really meant that for the first time, you can rest assured that when you leave this earth, you will no longer perish in a place of pain and suffering, but now you will live in eternity in paradise with your creator who designed you and formed you and loves you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. For the model of humility that you've given to us forgive us when we allow our pride to get the best of us help each of us to make a move today to humble ourselves to get on our knees stop pointing the finger and get on our knees heavenly father we do we just we just pause right now as a church family we just lift up our leaders father we lift up joe biden we lift up kamala harris We lift up our Governor Whitmer. God, I don't know where they're at in their faith journey, but Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in their lives right now in a way like only you can move. Show off your power in their lives. We we pray for their health. We lift up their health. We lift up their families. Father, we lift up Vladimir Putin. Father, you know... I know I made that story up, but it's possible. All things are possible. You could change the heart of Vladimir Putin. And right now as a church family, we beg that you would. That you would bring a friend. That you would bring a family member. And that they would have the courage to speak your truth to them. Just like Daniel had the courage to go to King Nebuchadnezzar. Who's the Daniel for for Vladimir Putin? Give that Daniel courage, Father. Move, light up the city with your power. Light up Russia with your power. Light up Kim Jong-un and North Korea with your power. We believe you can do it. We beg that you would do it so that people can be freed and know what it is to know you. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Can we give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus today? Come on. Listen, that's incredible. If you made that move, I wanna encourage you to make one more move today. I want you to humble yourself and tell someone that you made that decision to follow Jesus today. It's the best decision you could ever make. There's a party literally going on in heaven right now. Angels are literally having a rave uh, for your uh, conversion. I mean, it's amazing. And so listen, just let someone know, you can come up to any of us, tell the person you came with, you can text us if if that's easier for you, but we wanna celebrate.